Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program tonight. Fired up for this one, as usual. John McClain's going to be with us in just a few moments here, making his way over. And I want to, again, thank you for being with us every single night at 6 o'clock here for Texans All Access. And in a matter of weeks, we will be at the Greenbrier broadcasting from training camp. How about that? But summer in full swing, a lot of you taking time off, so we hope you're enjoying that. A lot of you working, and we'll keep you company no matter what. Not only here, but on HoustonTexans.com, on the Texans app. You have podcasts up. We've got some good ones, too. My gosh. I mean, you got to check out all the Vandermeer's views. I've got one with Joe Zagacki up right now. And Joe and I did Miami Hurricanes games when they won the national championship. And I also have one with Sage Rosenfels up there that a lot of people have listened to. John Harrison, Drew Doherty have in the lab. D.P. Sidhu has hers up there. One great one with Kylie Wong recently. I can't remember all the other ones, but go check those out. Want to set up the rest of the week, which would consist of one day. That's tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. I'll be on the air, and I hesitated about doing this, but I decided, what the heck, it's summer. Let's go. We're in the big break between minicamp and training camp. And I'll do top 10 plays in Texans history. And I will do it. Fireside chat and fireside not hard to find because it's basically wherever you are in Houston outside these days. Now, we'll do a chat on the Texans' top plays in history, according to me. The entire committee of me has voted on this stuff, so I'm really looking forward to this program tomorrow as I go over the top ten plays. I have not finalized what the ten are yet. Of course, I can rattle off many, but certain plays are not going to make it. You know, certain plays are going to upset some people that they're not in there. Other people might disagree with what I put near the top or at the top. But you know what? I don't care. It's all about what I think, and it'll be tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And don't forget, over the weekend, you should be doing this every weekend. Set the DVR for it if you can't catch it when it airs. But 11 o'clock, Saturday nights, ABC 13, Texans 360 in the offseason. And we do it here from NRG Stadium, and it's a whole lot of fun. All right, without further ado, he's made his way over. Houston Chronicles, John McClain. General, how's it going tonight? Couldn't be better, Mark. Thank you very much for asking. Here we are, four weeks away, my friend. Four weeks from training camp. The first practice is four weeks from today. How does that make you feel? I'm fired up about the season. I'm fired up about going back to West Virginia, which I love the setup there the weather the place i stayed the little town of lewisburg and and uh you stayed there too and we just had a blast and uh, i can't wait and i'm pumped to see healthy players again instead right. of guys on our now all of them won't be healthy right away but uh most of them will be back can't wait to see watson watt merciless all those guys that were out last year foreman uh, Nick Martin, and mm-hmm. and a cast of thousands who were on injured reserve. You know, you brought up Lewisburg, which is a town nobody's ever thought of here in Houston, really, but it's there in West Virginia. You actually tipped me off to this before we went last year, that this is kind of a funky little town that's not far from the Greenbrier. Seven miles. Right. And I was asking local people, why is it kind of funky like this? A real great little it's college funky, town. It's a great artsy community with lots of art galleries, really cool restaurants and of course mountains everywhere what'd they tell you why they told me it's because of the college and i'm thinking well what's what the college the west virginia school of osteopathic medicine john oh we go the, buy it every day but i didn't think it was any big the, deal there's nothing funkier than the west virginia school of osteopathic medicine john this is where all the hip people <laughs> live i don't know that must be it i think any kind of college gives a town a little pizzazz a little something in a small 
rural area like that, and I've lived in one of these places in central Pennsylvania, so I'm very familiar with the vibe, and I, I love the town. I love the area. Anyway, we'll be there four weeks from today. First practice for your Houston Texans. Okay, a few things that have come up this week. First of all, congratulations. James Harden wins the MVP. And it led to an MVP discussion here. I'm sure you've been in many MVP discussions. John Harris and I were talking about the differences in the different leagues in Major League Baseball and obviously the NBA and football with Tom Brady winning it last year. But your thoughts, because J.J. Watt has come close. You have Deshaun Watson, who, if he plays really, really well, the Texans have an outstanding season, he'll have a shot at this thing. Now, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. If Bill O'Brien's listening to this right now, he's probably driving his car to a bridge abutment. But I'll do it. it's out there as a possibility, and this is Sports Talk Radio. This is what we do. What do you think? Well, I wrote about this on Texas Sports Nation yesterday, and it's posted up today, twenty nine ninety five a year. And I also <laughs> uh, have tweeted it numerous times that uh, I took what Watson did in his six starts, projected them over 16 games. He would complete 63% for 4,200 and something yards, 48 touchdown passes, 674 yards rushing, five touchdowns. Now, that would be accounting for 53 touchdowns. Um, I believe Cam Newton accounted for 47. Brady didn't account for that much because he doesn't run. Right. And that would be, boy, maybe Brady had that that year. He threw 50. Maybe Peyton had it throwing, and they went, ran a couple of sneaks. But the key is, of course, you got to win. And I think this team's going to bounce back big because I look at last season as a aberration because of the 20 players on IR, including 13 starters. And so the team has got to bounce back, not just bounce back and go 9-7 and seven and win the division. they got to bounce, They got to get double-figure victories because the voting, remember, has nothing to do with uh, the playoffs. But if you bounce back and say win 10 games means six-game improvement, plus you win the division for the third time under Bill O'Brien, and then the main reason is Deshaun Watson. I think he would have a good chance. Of the last 11 winners, only Adrian Peterson is a non-quarterback in 2012. Right. So he plays the right position. The voters, and the voters on the official AP All-Pro team and MVP, are comprised of media people, but a lot of those media people are former players and executives who are on that panel, and I've been on it for like 35 years. And... People think, oh, it's just media people. What do they know? Well, there are some pretty knowledgeable guys that put together teams and played and won Super Bowls. So I think at 20-1 to 1 by Bavada that only five guys are ahead of him, and they're all established guys. Brady's won three. Rodgers won two. And I thought it was really interesting. They had Deshaun Watson with a better chance than Matt Ryan. Who won it the Cam year before Newton, last. Who won it the year before that. Mm-hmm. And and Ben Roethlisberger. And so they think very highly of Watson, as we all do. And I think he's going to have a great season if he stays healthy and he's going to be so much fun to watch. And I'd like to point out anybody, and I have people tell me, and I'm sure you do too, they're coming to camp. I met yeah. a lot of great fans last year at camp, but many were waiting to see what we said. Was it right. a good place to go? Is it easy to get around? You know, it's got to be one of the cheapest places to go to a training camp, not not staying at the Greenbrier, of course, right. but everywhere else around there. And so I would recommend anybody, 
And I know people that flew and people that drove. If you're still thinking about coming to camp, do it. It's a great setup. And what I like, you can sit in the stands and watch every minute of camp. You can hear, you know, right. we're out there for the for in the heat with fans and all, and and you can't sit in stands. But that's why I think well, the it's media great. can't. The media, yeah, the fans, fans have. But I'm talking about the media. Yeah. Well, plus I think the stands at the Greenbrier, especially those end zone stands, those are pretty big. That's where I sit Holds every up. day, and I get my yeah. binoculars. And Mark Berman and I sit up there, and we chart everything. Yeah, it's uh, John Harris and I too, and you know it's a great place to be. There's no question. So you're right. It's just hard to get to, but once you're there, you're really happy you're there. A lot of training camps are hard to get to. When I was coming yeah. to NFL for those eight years. Between the Oilers and the Texans, I went all over the country. Very few can you just fl- fly to an airport and go straight to a camp because mm-hmm. so many of them then, as opposed to now, more and more are doing it at their facility. You had to drive to a small town to a smaller college to get there. And uh, I and I, I love that. I love going to small towns like Thibodeau, staying in a Holiday Inn, and eating meals at a gas station across the street that had a seafood place in the back that I must have gained 50 of my 150 pounds. And uh, and and then uh, going to Rochester for the Bills, which until I got to West Virginia, not counting the West Coast, was the coolest place I'd ever been in August. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling the station on the morning talk show in August here and going, ooh, chilly up here yeah and you know they were like, jealous bleep you and and uh and that's what i like about west virginia you didn't make this mistake but i did i didn't take warm-up pants or a long sleeve and there were so many times in the morning i was cold oh yeah and i would wear my towels from my hotel room around <laughs> uh-huh. my shoulders and legs i look like such a wimp well, yeah, yeah. I I read the forecast. Uh, yeah, fifty five degrees some mornings there. Oh, I know. Chilly. And at night, I remember Brett Coomer, our photographer, and I a couple couple of times just walked outside and shivered in August because it's a feeling that you're not going to get here until late November. Yeah, if at you're the lucky. Earliest. If you're lucky, and it's funny because when you live in an area like that, you're just thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is so warm." Uh, and then you wait for winter, and it's horrible. Anyway, one, one other thing, Mark, and I know I can't remember if you've been there or not. I hadn't. I'd never even been to West Virginia, so I go, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to see all these guys running around with muskets like the mascot for West Virginia sure. University, or we're we're you going to see a bunch of hillbillies? <laughs> I never saw one. I had more of an accent than anybody I met in. Uh, in the Greenbrier area or in Lewisburg, and the people were so great and so appreciative of the team being there. I just think it's a tremendous place. If I had money, like some of my friends from Texas have done, they've bought homes up there outside Williamsburg, and they spend the summer up there because they can. Right. I wish I could after I retired to get put out to pasture. I think that would be a great place to be in the summer, up especially in that if you're a golfer. Woods. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, John McClain joins us. So, John, when you covered camp during that five-year no pro football in Houston period, what was the best camp atmosphere you encountered? What were you impressed well, with? Well, I'll tell you the one that, that was the wildest was the Cowboys. And they were in Wichita Falls, close to Dallas, but it wasn't so much as when they went back to L.A. And um, they are – one of the things I liked is the media hotel, and Marriott's actually on the ocean. 
and there's a walkway back there, and there's an In-N-Out burger in the parking lot, (laughs) which I think I like them, but I don't think, you know, I'd take a Whataburger over In-N-Out any time. But the actual Cowboys camp had so many people, and Bill Parcells had rules where the media had to stand, and it was right in front of the fans. It's just a little short fence. And instead of letting us go out on the field and interview the players, they had the players come over. So the fans, I felt so bad for people for radio, TV. Too noisy. Too noisy. I mean, you get them screaming. Yep. You know, some player, Michael Irvin, standing there, and they're just screaming like crazy for the players. Yeah. And you're trying. You, you, you can't just put it in their teeth. Right. Your tape recorder, and I thought, man, I can't wait to get out of here. That happens out here sometimes if I'm too close to the stands at the Houston Methodist Training Center. But, you know, you're you're obviously understanding of the fans going nuts when the players get close to but them. But I prefer pulling guys over to the other side. If they can't hear your interview yeah. because somebody, J.J., yeah. J.J., J.J., right. which we hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Jerry, J.J.'s trying to tell you about his rehab. And, and uh, I love the one. The Giants in Albany, it was – they had a great setup there. Fans were everywhere. Uh, Buffalo being in uh, – at St. John's College in Rochester and right next to that famous golf course. I can't remember what the golf course is, but they played U.S. Opens there and PGA, and uh, it was fabulous. I went to Green Bay when the Cheese League had four teams there. So I go up there. I'd never been to Green Bay in August. I go up there and think, man, I'm going to get some cooler weather. And I get up there, and the humidity is almost as bad as here. Yeah, it can get bad. I lived oh. in northern Michigan. It can well, get bad. Well, then you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love going to the Broncos because the weather was always so nice. And uh, I had a blast. Thibodeau, Pit Thibodeau, they did everything they could to get rid of control the mosquitoes. But, and the Saints were good then. You know, it's so much fun to go. And I didn't go to camps where the teams were bad. Mm-hmm. Because who cared? And I didn't. And I, I went to the Patriots, um, and I wanted to go where everything was upbeat and positive. And I would say the Saints because they'd come back under Jim Haslett mm-hmm. when they finally won their first playoff game. Going down there to Thibodeau and seeing the fans so fired up about their team, and you talk about you know if you wore nice shorts, you were out of place. <laughs> I just I just loved it and had a blast doing it. All right, coming up, let's go over the helmet rule again as we understand it. Oh, my gosh. And we'll do it in an audio fashion so you can understand it, I think. Plus, hilarious tweet about Andrew Luck's progress and then some. Coming up on Texans Radio. Here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, Mark Vandermeer with the General John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Great to have you with us tonight. A lot of you taking time off, a lot of you working, and we're keeping you company no matter what the situation is. So, General, before we get to the helmet rule stuff, all these officials who are retiring, this is notable that you have. them have TV jobs. Yeah, I, good for them. And one of them works for the Raiders. I think that's great. 
you think of uh, everybody who wants to be Mike Pereira, who's by far the best. Yeah. Uh, poor old Mike Carey. Didn't do a great job. Awful. I don't care how they try to defend him. If they thought he should be defended, why did they get rid of him? Mm-hmm. And I think Gene Steratore should be the best, but you never know when a guy gets on TV, he's got a certain amount of time to explain something, and then he's got somebody talking in his ear. And uh, he should be good at that because he's had to communicate with the NFL. But right. just based on personality, I think he'll be the best. And I know they didn't want to lose all these guys at the same time. They couple up one of they might have let been happy he retired, but I know they didn't want to lose Gene Steratore. I'll tell you who I don't like is Steve Javi. Not personally, but just on television, the NBA guy who does it on ABC for the finals. Because you're watching him and there were a couple of times they went to him and he explained what was going on but didn't tell you right away, do they have the call right or wrong, Steve? When you have that job, you gotta tell me this is what I think it is. And even if you're wrong, you got to go out on that limb because that's what you're paid to do. You know, that's what we want to know. What's the outcome going to be? Don't explain. Well, now they're going to look at the video monitors. I know they're looking at the video monitors. Tell me if they're right or wrong. Maybe he was watching Mike Carey too much. Yeah, it could be. Could Poor be. old Mike would say, well, I think, you know, it's, it, here's what I think, and this is what they're going to – oops. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you've had a lot of turnover. You know, you got Al Riveron running the New York operation now, Dean Blandino gone. You have a lot of turnover in this league. I mean, it's not a ton. I guess some of this is going to be natural. It's prominent. Yeah, it is. It is. Big names, big names. All right, so tell me about the helmet rule, John, because I noticed that media outlets, a couple of different ones, got different interpretations from the league sent to them. This, to me, is tough to define, and I said we would do it in an audio fashion. I guess if you're going to use the helmet as a weapon, that's a big no-no, but how do you govern that at the line of scrimmage versus in the open field? Open field, it might be a lot easier to spot and see. I still think some contact is going to be unavoidable, It's going to be, and you're going to have reviews here that really slow the game down, I fear. This is a real iffy prospect to me. I know you got to do it. you got to keep the game safe, but it's going to be tough to enforce. I was with uh, a bunch of Oilers at the Robert Brazil um, roast that Sports Radio 610 hosted and talked to a lot of the players, and they're just disgusted with the NFL, with all these rules. And they they got hit in the head over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And uh, but why are they disgusted then, John? I mean, they think that the game has changed so much and it's not the way football is meant to be played. But, but then on the other hand, you know the argument on the other side. It's like it's got to be safer because then these guys come back and say, "Well, I'm not the same mentally." And then that's true. And then um, then the NFL has to put out a lot of money. So they're they're very. Um, and most of them don't even watch it, the ones I talked to. And I said, well, you guys are missing some great players. And they just don't like the way the game would come. And I asked them about the helmet rule, and they, they can't figure it out. Bill O'Brien said they don't have the definitive answer yet when he was on Sports Radio 610 last week. And I feel so bad for the officials. You know, the, the, the rule where they said last year they looked at 40,000 plays and only two guys would have been kicked out of a game uh, – but they're trying to define intent, and you can't define intent. That'd be like me trying to figure out why you said something or vice versa. Yeah. We can't do that. And the thing about the lineman, I asked Bill about how he, the changes will make, and he said he doesn't know yet. They'll know 
before they go to camp, but would the linemen do like so many colleges and play in two-point stances? Yeah. And so you're you're not charging out with your leading with your head. I mean, it's going to be so hard for the linemen and for backs, you know, to, to who have spent their whole career going into a pile and automatically ducking their head. Yep. And but like every other change in the game, when they made the changes in '78 to allow the offensive linemen to extend their arms and DBs couldn't hit them five yards past the line of scrimmage, and everybody said the game was going to be ruined. Had his it was greatest all popularity. Be offense. Yep. Defense was going to be gone. You know, they've said for 30 years, rules about the quarterback, put skirts on them, mm-hmm. and, and the game is still great. It's still the most popular in the ratings. Um, it's amazing how the NFL draft just dwarfed the NBA draft in TV ratings, even though the NBA plays that thing up so much, just like the NFL. And um, so the, the NFL will adjust. It's not going to change it. They'll adjust. They'll still be great players. And the guys from the other eras, if they don't watch it, they're missing something that um, I think that they would really respect and enjoy. I agree with you. I think the game is still great. I look at some of the helmet-to-helmet contact, and I think – I cringe sometimes when I see some of it now because I know what is going to be said about it. But it's so funny to me how it's arguing from both sides. I get all of that. I understand each side. I understand where they're coming from. It's just one of those difficult situations. Well, one of the things they get such a kick out of is no contact in the off season, not wearing pads first three days of camp. Yep. They just roll their eyes at that one because no two days. Really, they were talking the other day about how because camp there were six preseason games, mm-hmm. camp was eight weeks, then the rookies came in for another week, and then you started hitting in double days immediately to get in shape. Yeah, and I said, well, guys don't need to get in shape because they're in shape all year round. Right, and uh, they and they said they would like a couple of them said, I wish a study could be done going back to say. 19, late 70s, how many players were suffered major injuries back then? The percentage based on the roster and how many suffer major injuries today to see if there's a lot less today Right. since the game is not as, as, as gruesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you still hit hard. But, you know, back then, and we were talking about uh, Vernon Perry, the safety, for the Oilers, uh, one time Billy White Shoes Johnson got really cheap shotted, and Vernon always padded his forearms so he could whop people. Yep. He put a screwdriver in there to make sure he got that guy back. Uh, oh gosh, Billy, you talk about having somebody's back. Could you imagine that today? Oh, you get arrested. Goodell would kick you out of the league if uh, you did something like that after and, a lengthy investigation. Listen of to those players talking about the things that they did then, you know, the rules. Hitting people in the head was so common. Things. Look at George, Deacon Jones. George Atkinson used to do to Lynn Swan. He's not even near the play, just standing there. Here comes Atkinson with his padded forearm, wham, in the head. you got to keep your head on a swivel oh, back then. And, and today, too. Well, Ted Johnson, I didn't hear the triple threat today, but yesterday he was talking about being coached to – Put a hat on it. You know, you you go with the head first, and then he was talking about a certain technique at the line of scrimmage for linebackers. That's how Ted made it, is he would crash his helmet underneath the guard's chin. Yeah. And that's the way he got the and upper now that's, hand. That, I mean, first of all, he's leading with the head now. He might be causing a concussion. 
think about suffering old, a concussion. Yeah, suffering one. Think about the older days when guys. It was harder to get yourself pulled out of a game due to concussion symptoms. I mean, now I it's like fingers you see, mildling up too. Get back in. Well, Romanowski uh, joked with me, Bill Romanowski, at a Super Bowl when I interviewed him. He said, "He said, yeah, they would ask me all these questions, and I'd say, why are you asking me these questions? Let me get back into the game.' And he would just be emphatic about it. They'd put him back in." I mean, he's very clear on that today. It's just it's a different era, a different time. All right, well, we'll see how that helmet rule goes down. John, I want to get into this a little bit. This might stretch into the next segment. We talk a lot about the AFC South. We talk an awful lot about the AFC South, and for good reason. That's the division. That's home. It could be one of the best divisions, if not the best division in football. But what about some of the other divisions out there, and especially the AFC? When you look at playing the AFC East right now, we know it's the Patriots and everybody else. Snow White is Three dwarfs. Give me the second-place team in the AFC East. Uh, let's see. Buffalo's going to have a rookie quarterback. Miami will have Tannehill back. Jets going to have Sam Darnold. So, I would say because Miami has a veteran quarterback, Miami would finish second as it did two years ago. Well, that's a big step back for the Bills, though, if they don't make the postseason. They're going to be playing a rookie quarterback. Does anybody really think A.J. McCarron is going to keep that job over Josh Allen for very long? Remember, we talked about this before. The Texans are going to get all these rookie quarterbacks, yep. except Josh Rosen because they don't play Arizona. And and a lot of people are picking the Chargers. If if um, picking the Chargers to do what? Win that division? Win that division. Oh yeah. Wow. It, but w- they don't have a home at field advantage. They don't have yep. that three point advantage in every game. There's no way I'm picking them with no home field advantage. It's demoralizing to them when I mean it's not like you have this 100,000 seat stadium where. Okay, you can jam in 40,000 visiting fans. They have sub-30,000 in the building, and many of them, if not most, are opposing team fans. Most have been. I've read a story about that, talking to them about what it's like to play their home games in a stadium that has more people from the visiting team, and especially if they're from the East. Yep. Because so many people in the California area are from the East, and that's their best chance to go see their team. and. You know, I'll, I want to see the Raiders do it before I would pick them to do it. I would – Denver, what about Case Denver? Keenum, or Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. That's going to be a not a great division with great teams, but it's going to be very, very competitive. Entertaining. Entertaining, yes. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to pick Denver just because I like Case. Hey, the first – And quarter, Gary Kubiak. Yeah, well <laughs> – well, he's he's on the staff. I'll put that in air quotes. He know he's, he has a a serious job as a big shot in the personnel department. Right. So he's on the staff, the administrative staff, if you will, football ops. But he's hovering. So we'll see how that works out for Vance Joseph. Best of luck to him, except when the Texans play them. So Kansas City. That's the preseason opener for the Texans. First quarter of that game could be Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. That's your pitching matchup for an inning. We'll see how that lasts. But I think the Chiefs, they've lost some bodies for sure, but they still have a lot of talent. And Mahomes comes in, and he's being compared to a lot of great arms, and I know he hasn't seen much action, just like one game. But we'll see how that goes. I mean, he could be really intriguing. They have more speed on offense than any team in the league. Mm-hmm. And his blinding speed. And um, I think they'll throw the ball deep a lot if their offensive line can give him a chance to throw. I don't see their defense being having an intimidating pass rush like it used to. I just don't see any any team coming out of there that's a Super Bowl threat or threat for the AFC Championship game. Chiefs have been terrible 
at home in the playoffs under Andy Reid. And, um, in fact, they were terrible in the playoffs under – who was before Andy? Well, Todd Ailing? Yeah, they've had uh, Herm Edwards and they had Dick Vermeil. They, and they went forever without winning a playoff game. Playoff games at home. Mm-hmm. And they showed that last year, losing to the Titans at home. So, I'm certainly not picking them. I may pick them to – I'm not whoever I picked to win that division. I'm not picking them with the wild card. I think the wild card is going to come out of the AFC South. So you maybe th- two, maybe two. And last year, I mean, last week we talked about it that in 2007 the AFC South got three teams into the postseason, all but the Texans, who were eight and eight that year. So you had the Titans and the Jags that year. That was the year the Jags went 11 and five and beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. Tennessee made it with Vince Young 10 and six possibility you could get that again. Two wild cards out of the AFC well, South. Well, first of all, who are you going to pick in AFC East as a wild card there? Nobody. Nope. What about in the North? Other, Pittsburgh, you're going to pick Cincinnati, Baltimore? Well, I don't think Baltimore. And, and I don't either. I think another guy's going to be playing a rookie quarterback at some point, and most rookie quarterbacks don't take teams to the playoffs. And are you going to pick Cleveland? But what, no. if, what if Baltimore is kind of trudging along and they're still alive in November, mid-November, and Flacco's okay. Do well, you think they just put it? No. They're not. They're not going to switch. But I don't think they're going to be very good. Period. Okay. You know, they're going to be around five hundred, and there's going to be so much pressure on them to put him in. Maybe they use him in some packages, and he's very exciting as a runner. And then everybody's clamoring to see him at quarterback. So that means okay, your next chance for a wild card is Denver, Kansas City, Oakland. Um. You gonna pick one of those? Teams? Somebody flashes here. I don't think Cincinnati's up for a comeback right now. And it's funny because I heard Seth this morning talking about windows. He said, "I hate windows, but windows do exist." And the Bengals had a window with Andy Dalton, young Andy Dalton, and Geno Atkins, and all those talented guys they had. They were a pretty good team. Made the playoffs what four or five years in a row, unable to win a playoff game. But that window is closing. That's it's shifting right now. And if you don't restock the cupboard during a shift in windows, because windows in the NFL are about four years, really. That's the Pins bulk on of your team. Quarterback. Well, it, yeah, it's a good point. But the quarterback helps you transition window to window to window, like the Patriots do, like Drew Brees does with Pittsburgh, the Saints. Pittsburgh. You New see New how Orleans. different the roster, the majority of the roster, is so different for Pittsburgh than it was four or five years ago. It looks the same from the exterior when you're not following the team closely because you see Roethlisberger right there. But when you look at the bulk of the roster, my gosh, it's a complete flip. And you were talking about MVPs. People probably forget that once upon a time for the Seahawks, Sean Alexander was an MVP as a running back, and that was Matt Hasselbeck playing quarterback. Completely different situation. Windows change. Some teams, some franchises are really good at transitioning through them. I think that if you have good organization and you're built to last, you don't just – the window's not wide, and then it shuts. You mm-hmm. know, goes down a little bit, starts to close, then you open it back up with good roster decisions and good coaching and strategy. John McClain is with us. We'll get to that Andrew Luck story and some other things as well as Texans Radio, Texans All Access continues. It's Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. 
with you. And a few things to clean up. First of all, how about DeAndre Hopkins this week, General? Out there and about with the kiddies, doing some workout stuff. And you can read about that on HoustonTexans.com. I'm sure you wrote about it as well. Aaron Wilson wrote about it. That's also on Cron.com. And I thought it was a very cool thing for him to do. He said social media is the next best thing to television because mm-hmm. you can get something out. He took a heck of a chance when you tweet that out. What would he have done if thousands had showed up? It's probably smart to do it the night before. Right. And they said it was about 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, and it's uh, DeAndre running the hill reminded me how NFL players led by Earl Campbell here used to go to the bayous and run. And players from other teams would really? come and run those bayous. And they would need to be mowed. Mm-hmm. And after these players are running up and down them, they they might as well have been mowed. You had high school, you had college. Dale Robertson did a big story about Earl Campbell running a bayou over in uh, A-League by the so, Tom Williams barbecue, and everybody <laughs> started coming out. So they're running the bayou as if it's stadium steps or something, up and down like so that? Well, it's harder than stadium steps because the footing's not good. Right. And and that's is it why, cement on the bottom like some of the no, really it's just big dirt just dirt okay and uh, and weeds and mosquitoes and I you know I remember Walter Payton's the first one I heard about running running uh, up and down hills he and Robert Brazil were best friends in college and they used to just they were so eaten up with being in great shape that Robert said Walter would say hey let's go run and it'd be midnight where are we gonna run. They just go out, start running for miles, turn around and come back just just to do something extra. And that's why Things have, I don't do. So that. many workout places now have hills. Yeah. They got AstroTurf on them and it's different yeah. and be a whole lot better than what they've got what they used to run those bayous in June before they went to camp. I don't think they have it anymore, but the, at the Houston Methodist Training Center, back in the early days, they had this fake hill. It was just this stand, and you could run up. I guess it was like two stories high. They also, I think, had sand pits back there. I don't think they have that anymore. Plex has that as well, Danny Arnold. And I I think today that's why you have Stairmasters. Yeah, probably. You have all this electronic gear. <laughs> it's all good, though. Whatever, safe. All right, that's fine. Andrew Luck, I saw a hilarious tweet by that fake ESPN account talking about how Luck has this noodle arm because he was throwing to kids, and he's just lobbing them the ball. But there was a report that he said he was going to – he was on a radio station in Indianapolis saying that he was going to work out with his receivers. I don't know what that means. I presume that means throwing them a football. But until we see it consistently in training camp, I don't know if I'm going to believe it or not. He's going back to California where he was working with Tom House and his people mm-hmm. and work out there some more. And and we will all be skeptical until we see Andrew – not just on the field making throws but getting hits. You know, the Colts want to see him. At some point he's going to get hit, fall on his shoulder. That's what they want to see the most. And it's a gradual process. You know, I don't know if we'll see him in a preseason game. They say everything's geared toward the regular season opener. But I hope Andrew comes back. I hope that uh, the Colts are good because I think the other teams in the division will be good. And it, it'll kind of be like the old AFC Central when uh, all the teams were good going after all shooting for How Pittsburgh. How far back do you have to go for that in the AFC Central? Brian Sipe? Nope. That was, that was until the Texans came in in 2002. And uh, in the 70s, 80s, uh, 
back when the Browns were going to the championship game three yeah, years in a row against Denver. You had Bernie Kosar playing quarterback so for Denver. Much, I mean, for Cleveland. so much fun. It was so much nastiness among the head coaches. They just – think about this. You had Chuck Knoll, mm-hmm. Marty Schottenheimer, Sam Weiss, and Jerry Glanville. Yeah, that's pretty strong. Those were four coaches, and even Knoll got involved in controversy when it came to Glanville and the Oilers. And in this division, you know, there's respect between O'Brien and – Doug Marone, who are best friends, and there's respect with Vrabel and O'Brien, who are really good friends. And Did you drop a Vinny Testaverde reference the other day that he got better as he got older? Yes, he did. Yeah, he was quarterbacking the Browns against the Patriots in the playoffs when Belichick was with Cleveland, right? And he was real good with the Jets when Parcells yep. came in and turned them around. And and uh, and um, who's the other AFC South coach? AFC Central, or Schottenheimer, Weiss. No, no, I'm talking about now the AFC South. I forgot all my teams. Uh, Indianapolis. And uh, Frank Reich's been around a long time as an assistant mm-hmm. coach, but you know, I don't know how well, considering he was the NFC the last, but he was with Chargers right. before that. But uh, the other three coaches, O'Brien knows them very well. I also wonder, if you know a coach, how well you know him really well, does that help on strategy, game plans, and even though the coaches aren't coaching, like, does that help at all if you are really familiar with the coach? Didn't help Bill O'Brien last year, and it didn't help Marone the year before, because usually you got to have a healthy quarterback. That's true, but I think you know some tendencies. And in this offense, you're supposed to be a game plan offense, so you're supposed to have this unpredictability. It's funny, when I watch the Patriots play offense, after being around Bill O'Brien for four years, I can see that offense with the Patriots. I understand what they're doing. You have Tom Brady at the control, so it's phenomenal. Now, last year, I'm going to remove that six and a half games with Watson because that was otherworldly what he put together with Deshaun, and I think we're all looking forward to seeing that collaborative effort again. How about Bill O'Brien being the dean of AFC South coaches? I'm going to call him that, the dean. The dean. Yeah, he's going to love that. Oh, I like it. And by love, I mean I'm going to keep my distance. Okay, good. I'm going to start calling him that too. The the dean. dean. Uh, Jameis Winston, John, out three games. The suspension occurs. This is your quarterback, Tampa Bay. This is rough. And I went over his numbers and his caliber of play the other day. We were doing a little bit of an analysis in audio fashion, John Harris and I. He's a player who really has not reached his potential. He's got so much of it. He's played well, but there's a higher ceiling for him. He's got to find a way to reach it. On and off the field, you guess. He's got to stay out of trouble. Now, this happened in 2016. So maybe there have been no other incidents since then. And if that's true and the league uh, investigated, my my first thought is you're going through a drive through window in an Uber. Why would you want to grab somebody's crotch? You know, I can see you grabbing for the, the burgers or French fries or barbecue whatever yeah. it was but it just makes no sense nope and it's it's another in in a line of incidents now mm-hmm. a columnist in tampa saying they got to cut him well you know they're not going to cut him the key is he's going to have to make a real commitment on and off the field and i don't see them signing him to an extension anytime soon um I could see them letting him play it out and then franchising him, but he and maybe he's been a model citizen since that incident, and then next season be another year. But you know they're not going to let him go. Teams would be all over him no matter what he's done because he's too talented. And Marcus Mariota started off ahead of him, but last year Mariota had more interceptions and touchdowns 
Yep. But instead of winning four games, they went to the play, second round of the playoffs where they lost in Foxborough. So right now I think no question Mariota is going to sign an extension before Winston. If you'd asked me this before all this came out, I would say, well, Winston's going to sign that extension first because he was the first overall pick and Mariota was second. What's the level of uneasiness in Nashville on Mariota? Because you did have more interceptions last year. You had fewer touchdown passes. You had the same virtually amount of pass attempts as the year before. How are they feeling about their franchise quarterback going into year four for him? I asked this question on their flagship that I do weekly radio shows with, and I said, he hurt his hamstring here running for a touchdown, and then he missed three games. And you know – you can't get 100% recovered from a hamstring during the season. It doesn't just happen automatically. And at the end of the previous season, he had had surgery on his foot or ankle. Mm. And so it seems to me if he's making throws that are high or off target he hadn't made before, somehow that affected his mechanics. Yep. This is a thing they can see on film. If you look last year, Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay go to L.A., to coach the Rams, and Matt's the coordinator. He spends most of the time with the quarterback, even though McVay calls the plays. And Jared Goff makes a tremendous improvement. So can Marcus Mariota, if he's 100%, make a similar improvement yep. under Matt LaFleur. But what Mariota has to do is Winston has to prove he can stay out of trouble. Mariota has proving stay healthy because he's been hurt yeah. a different amount of time in each of his first three seasons. And a hamstring injury just kind of irks you because the run he had here that he got hurt on was sensational. Yeah. You know, that was still a game when he ran that one in. The Texans were pulling away, but, hey, the Titans are still here. Uh, but then he had to leave the game for a while and then never returned, right? He never got back. I can't remember if he came back or if it was Matt Castle. I, I remember I remember by the time he would he didn't come back. By the time he would have come back, it was already thirty five oh, yeah, to fourteen killed. or whatever it was. I mean they were already just running away with it in the second half. By the by the next time the Titans were able to touch the football, Texans were so dominant in that game. You know, you have Matt LaFleur who was here under Gary Kubiak and Matt wants to be head coach. Mm-hmm. And um, And he was with the Falcons during their Super Bowl yeah, run. Sean McVay let him go because they were not playing AFC South. Yeah. And uh, so he's coming in. He's calling plays for the first time. But he's learned under McVay and Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, he's learned from some good guys, no and doubt. So he goes in, and think of Rabel. You think the offensive tackle and offensive line issues here, they don't have those issues up there. They're more worried about their receivers, not tight end Delaney Walker. And can Derrick Henry carry the load full-time with Deion Lewis as the change of pace back Mm -hmm. but their offense should be really good you know they're still they'll ask me well what about watson i get calls sometimes what what can the texans do with watson i said go back and google (laughs) the titans and texans last year yeah and and that's all i'd say because what they put 57 on yep and so i think tennessee's strength is offense they've made a lot of improvements in the defense but you don't know how it's going to come out under first year coordinator dean pease Jacksonville's defense should still be great, led by their two corners. And um, the running game in Jacksonville should be great. All the coaches in this division are going to do everything they can to run the ball first. That's just their philosophy. At one point in that game when I said, they're up 40, that kind of stood out to me. 
that the Texans were up 40 or more in a football game. They won that game by 43 points. Unbelievable. John, what do you have going out of the Chronicle? We have uh, Aaron Wilson has a thing out there about DeAndre Hopkins. I have a thing up about uh, Watson in the MVP race. Now he can make a hat trick for Houston. And uh, we're going to have a bunch more stuff this weekend. And uh, I understand that next week we will not be doing this, but we'll be back in two weeks. We will. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Mark. That's the General John McClain. Read his stuff on Cron.com, HoustonChronicle.com. And we want to thank you all for listening tonight. HoustonTexans.com has all your Texans video stories, all the stuff. Listen tomorrow night at 6. And also watch Texans 360. Saturday nights, 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Good show for you to check in. Have a great evening, everyone, and go Texans. Go Texans.